When a child experiences trauma like neglect or abuse, it can have a devastating impact on their mental and emotional health. Today, I discuss how trauma during childhood changes the brain and how exposure to the right environment and experiences can rewire the brain to develop along a healthier and happier trajectory. Hi, I'm neuroscientist Dr. Ben Webb, and I want to help you cultivate a healthy brain for a mentally healthy and happy life. Welcome to episode 45 of Better Brain, Better You. keeping well and having a good week so far. Great to have you with me for today's episode on the impact of trauma on the brain. If you're watching on YouTube, please do like, subscribe and hit that notification bell to hear when we release new videos. And thanks for listening listening in wherever you get your podcasts. We release weekly episodes for brains of all ages. But before we kick off today, I want to give you a free workshop on how to parent a teenage brain. In this workshop, Dr. Zoe Webb and myself share how to use brain-based parenting strategies and the parent-teen relationship to resolve common teenage problems and identify the signs of and develop strategies for supporting mental health problems. So you can watch this free workshop at ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash workshop. That's ologyonlinecourses.com slash workshop. Please do go and watch the workshop It's completely free and will definitely help you to understand the inner workings of the teenage brain and manage challenging teenage behaviours and mental health problems. So when a child experiences neglect or abuse early in their life, it has a significantly detrimental effect on their physical, mental and emotional development. Trauma can be a repeating event, a sudden single event, or a pattern of interaction between an abuser and child. And severe neglect is the most common form of trauma and has the biggest impact on brain development. So the brains of children who have been abused and neglected develop differently. Even before they're born, many children in care will have developed the very first parts of their brain in conditions that were far from ideal. So many babies have been exposed to alcohol, drugs or violence, as well as fear, depression and anxiety that their mothers may have been experiencing. And early traumatic experiences trigger a stress response in children, a physiological and behavioural coping response which manifests as the fight, flight or freeze response when under threat. So trauma particularly affects the brain's emotional control centre, the amygdala, which starts to send a danger signal to a child even when there's no real threat there. It shrinks their hippocampus, which processes their memories, learning and emotions. And traumatised children can also end up with an underdeveloped prefrontal cortex, which is involved in rational thinking, planning, controlling their impulses and emotions as well. A traumatised child becomes wired for survival. They become impulsive and anxious, act from instinct rather than reason, and are not able to understand or identify the different feelings that they are experiencing. And when under threat, their brain releases the stress hormone called cortisol, 
which at high levels can actually be really toxic for the brain, causing impairments in memory, recognition and regulation of emotions and executive skills such as decision-making, planning and attention. And babies are thought to develop what's called a set point for cortisol levels by the age of about six months, which means that what a child considers to be a normal and acceptable level of stress has actually become hardwired hardwired before they're even able to utter their first words. What this means is that children who have experienced trauma have brains that work and are wired differently to those who have not experienced trauma. So the behaviour that follows is often a result of these changes to their brain, rather than these children simply meaning to be naughty, difficult or challenging. The effects of abuse and or neglect and the excessive levels of cortisols that they cause the brain to produce impacts most severely on the prefrontal cortex and the limbic system. So these are the parts of the brain that, when they work well, help us to think about the future, understand cause and effect, have empathy, and manage strong impulses and emotions. And the limbic system is a part of the brain where understanding and expectations of relationships and emotional safety sits in our brains. As a result of the damage caused to these parts of the brain, we might expect to see changes to a child's behaviour. So they can become disorganised, they might need to be repeatedly reminded to do ordinary activities, they might become socially or even sexually inappropriate, acting impulsively or not using contextually relevant information to inform their behaviour. They might find it challenging to learn from their experiences and their mistakes. They may need a strict routine, be inflexible and struggle with unexpected or changes to their everyday activities. They might lack motivation or incentive and find it difficult to monitor their emotions and behaviours. And sometimes they can find it difficult to develop or initiate plans or ideas and not always choose the most sensible action. They may also have an inability to stop and think constructively and be emotionally impulsive. So the sort of difficulties you might expect after trauma can also include things like disturbances in their sense of self and identity, including things like low self-esteem, self-harm, risk-taking. And traumatised children will often misuse alcohol and drugs and find it challenging to link the cause and effects of events and behaviours. They can also find it difficult to recognise emotions in others and even articulate their own emotions. So it's important to say that these are illustrative examples and not an exhaustive list of behaviours that you might expect to see as a consequence of abuse or neglect during early childhood. So does this mean traumatised children are beyond help? Well, perhaps this is a reasonable question given everything I've just said, but the emphatic answer is that they are not beyond help, far from it. We know that from the beginning of life, our brains continue to develop and mature in response to both genetics, but also the environments in which a child is required to function and survive. So this means that a child's brain, if exposed to a safe and appropriate environment, can be rewired to then develop along the trajectory that was first intended at the beginning of life. So this is possible both when the child is still young, let's say under the age of three or three years or so, 
but also even when the child is older and into their teenage years. This is because the the brain remains what we call plastic well into adulthood. So over 14 years between puberty and our mid-20s, the brain completely rewires itself from back to front. And during this period, all parts of the brain are in place, but they're not working in unison yet, yet together. And basic behaviours like sensation and coordination through to complex behaviours like emotional regulation and impulse control are completely rewired over this period. So that means the teenage years are actually a window of opportunity to rebuild and rewire a brain that a child and a child that may have been traumatised earlier in life. So providing the teenager and their brain with opportunities that they have missed out on as a younger child will allow healthy, appropriate connections to develop and strength and strength strengthen, thus facilitating their growth and development into healthy adulthood. So how can you go about encouraging healthy brain development? Well, to understand what your children's emotional needs are, it can be really helpful to put their chronological age to one side. So close your eyes to your children's body and open your eyes to what age their brain actually is. So giving yourself permission to ignore what the world around you thinks your children should be doing at their chronological age, you are far more likely to be successful at managing your your child or your children's behaviour if you take a soothing rather than a reprimanding approach. So your child's high energy levels and perhaps their provocative behaviour might be their brain's attempt to recreate what we think of as a normal level of stress or stimulation. So responding to this behavior angrily or with punishment, as we might do instinctively, in fact means that we recreate the level of stress and stimulation they are seeking. So this process of replicating the emotions of the past won't help your child to feel soothed or to modify their behavior. So your child's difficulties with the impulsivity, empathy, planning and short-term memory are likely to be hardwired and therefore in need of rewiring via relationship building and regressive, let's say back to babyhood, techniques rather than reward punishment strategies. So give your child or your children permission to regress and engage in activities and play that would typically match a much younger child chronologically. Allowing them to experience these, the things that they've missed out on, will provide them with opportunities to fill the gaps and ultimately to catch up developmentally. Until they're given this opportunity, they will remain stuck at an earlier developmental stage. So the PACE principles of parenting can also be a great resource for parents or carers looking for guidance on on interacting with children and young people who've experienced trauma. So PACE stands for playfulness, acceptance, curiosity and empathy. PACE was developed as a way of thinking, feeling, communicating and behaving that aims to make the child in care feel safe. And with PACE, the child can start to look at themselves and let others to start to see them get to see them or get closer emotionally. They can start to trust again. So I hope these strategies are helpful, but if you want additional support in working therapeutically with young people who have experienced trauma, you can always seek out professional help through child and adolescent mental health services. So before we finish up, I want to remind you of our free workshop on how to parent a teenage brain. In this workshop, 
Dr. Zoe Webb and myself share how to use brain-based parenting strategies and the parenting team relationship to resolve common teenage problems and to identify the signs of and to develop strategies for supporting mental health challenges. So you can watch this workshop at ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash workshop. That's ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash workshop. Please do go and watch this free workshop. So thanks so much for tuning in today. It's been an absolute pleasure spending time with you and I will look forward to seeing you next time. Bye.